You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Today's episode of the After Chat is brought to you by Blue Chew. Bill? Well, yeah, I'm I'm remote here. I'm at a uh, an audition here uh, for a Broadway show. There's a lot of people here, and there's a guy standing next to me here uh, who's auditioning. Come here, Bob. Hi, I'm Broadway Bob. I'm here auditioning tonight. It's about a male orphan, older male orphan. He's very upset because uh, he's just not being able to make love, and he's in an orphanage. And his name is Danny. All right, well, Broadway Bub, it's great to have you here on the After Chat, and I would love to share with you a little bit about Blue Chew. While I'd have to recommend against using Blue Chew at an orphanage... <coughs> me, 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 me. I'm sorry, I'm just kind of warming up. You go ahead and warm up, but I've got some news for you. If you go to bluechew.com, you're going to get warmed up quicker than you could even imagine. Because if you go to bluechew.com, that's blue, like the color blue, you can get the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, and you will be warmed up in no time. It's a chewable, so you can just pop it anytime you want, and it works quicker than a pill. Excuse me, one moment. One thing that, while I was warming up, you forgot to tell them, they do not have to go to the apothecary for this. I'm glad that you brought that up, Broadway bub. Because Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy or apothecary as you and uh, a couple of other people we've been talking to recently have been saying. But best of all, there is no more awkwardness. I'm ready to rehearse. Hey, I should tell you though, real quick before you get started, that if you go to bluechew.com and you use the promo code BILL, that's B-I-L-L, you can get your first shipment absolutely free. Just pay $5 shipping. <clears throat> this is the uh, hit song from uh, from the show, Danny. Uh, are you ready? I'm ready. So, here's my rehearsal here. <clears throat> Bluechew will come here tomorrow in a plain brown package. It will be here Tomorrow, a oh, blue chew, a oh, blue chew. I need you, my blue chew. You're only a chew away from love. Do you think I'll get the part? I think you're going to get the part. And if you go to bluechew.com, someone else can get the part too. Use the promo code BILL. Just pay $5 shipping and get your first shipment absolutely free. From Broadway to LA, wherever you are, pop a bluechew and you're going to be at your best. Bluechew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Josh Chernoff, and joining me via telephone, the one and only Bill After. Bill, well, actually, it, it's it's not actual telephone. It's pod waves. Oh, I have a rotary phone, right? That's what I'm on. Do you really know? Because the 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 uh, the pod waves right now are going all the way from where I am in the Midwest on special assignment, mm. and I can't tell anybody why right now all the way to your uh, office in Philadelphia. And I wanted to start off by thanking you because we've been getting some uh, great vibes from the uh, after chatters. What a terrific 
host you've been. Oh, well, so I want to thank you. I appreciate that. I want to thank you for doing that. All the nice things that you've uh, had to say about me and the app to chatters and keep the ball rolling. And I also want to thank everybody for all the downloads. Yeah. My goodness, we looked at the numbers of the downloads this past week and this is amazing, Josh. It's just growing every single week. We couldn't be happier to have uh, anyone. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. If, if you're a returning after chatter, uh, we thank you for your continued support. Uh, you know who I'd like to thank, Bill, and I know you would like to also. Uh, I'd like to thank last week's guest, Taz, for oh, giving yeah. us a, uh, a pretty long shout out on the Taz show this past week. Uh, it wasn't yes, just a, a little one. He yes. he really took the time to put the show over and put you over and even put me over, which was uh, insane. But uh, yeah, yeah. But you deserve it. You deserve it. And oh, you know what? Thank you. You still can't pronounce my name. No, I get you know my <laughs> name, my last name is Apter, and I get Apner. But he totally took it. And I want to say two things about this. Mm -hmm. First of all, he still calls me Bill Apta, A P T A H. Yo, Bill Apta, how you doing? And he said. Uh, I believe in a uh, tweet that the headline in my book, which I was, I wrote stalked by a Tasmaniac yeah. that he said he wasn't stalked. St he wasn't stalking me in the supermarket. By the way, the supermarket was grand union uh, on Carmen's road in Massapequa park. All right, and well, he said, yeah, he said, you know, it wasn't a stalk. It was a loop. Yeah. Well, he, he mentioned that on, he mentioned that on his show. So you're saying yeah. there were multiple loops. Well, there were multiple loops. But what I do want to say is that my book is Wrestling Fixed. I didn't know it was broken. Yeah, that was done in the spirit of the old wrestling magazine headline. So rather, if I would have put looped by a Tasmaniac. That would have been questionable. Uh, I don't think it would have worked. No. And really you know what? Uh, we We... We need to get to the bottom of this, I think, because now this is having crossover appeal between the Taz show and the after chat, um, because he did mention on the show that it was, in fact, a loop and that it was not stalking. So I'm curious, after chatters hit us up, how many loops constitute a stalk? Interesting. Yeah. I never thought of that. How many loops? Yeah, Google many, that. Yeah. And how many loops, Bill, do you claim that Taz uh, did? Well, it was on various nights. It wasn't just on one night. Uh-oh. All right. Well, this is... Yeah. yeah. Right. So this, this, this is developing. The saga is, is continuing it, here. Was it stalking or looping? Well, after chatters, you decide. Yeah, but I really do want to thank him because he's been a, a, a dear friend, even though he can't pronounce my name. <laughs> he's been a dear friend, and uh, he always credits me. And I, I really appreciate this, and it's not an ego stri stroke, but he always credits me with being one of the people that, who started his uh, career off. And uh, he had a great storied career. And, you know, the human suplex mu uh, machine, mm -hmm. uh, when I was growing up, I remember the first guy I ever saw do a suplex. His name was Carl Carol Krauser, K-A-R-O-L Krauser. And what I didn't know was that was the name Vince McMahon Sr., Gave him, but it was the classic wrestler Carl Gotch. Really? I didn't know yeah. that was the other name yeah. that he had. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it was Carl. But he did the first German suplex I had ever seen. And that took me to my 
pillow weight championship where I used to wrestle my pillows <laughs> in bed. I drew faces on them and I drop kicked them and I learned a new hold and I went in as the pillow weight champion and I started German suplexing all my pillows and one of them broke and there were feathers all over the place. My mother was so mad. So I don't want to say that I'm going to start my day tomorrow trying to figure out how we can get custom pillows made uh, with faces on them and championship belts. But there's a possibility that I'm going to start my day tomorrow looking up how to get custom pillowcases made. So after That's Chatters. A great idea. Yeah, after Chatters, if you would like your own pillow wrestlers uh, with a championship. What did you say it was? Pillow? Pillow weight wrestling. Pillow weight wrestling championship. Uh, I think that that's something that you might want to uh, stuff your stocking with this upcoming holiday season. Wow. I, I like see this is why you are in your seat, because beside being an excellent host, you're responsible for the marketing of this show. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate all the kind words. Um, hey, something that the after chatters are going to appreciate. Today's guest is Sting. You're finally going to hear Sting part two. People have been asking for it, and Bill, if you want to remind everybody why we kind of pushed this off and kept promoting it and then pushed it off again. Well, we wanted Sting, of course, part one, to stand alone, to mm -hmm. stand on its own. Uh, it was a nice, it was a friendly interview, but we had scheduled guests for the next few weeks, and we were going to double Sting up with uh, uh, maybe Taz, um, Ray, Ray maybe... Ray Mysterio or upcoming with uh, Jerry the King Lawler. Mm -hmm. And then we said, you know what? This episode, part two, needs to stand on his, its own because he talked about Seth Rollins and the end of his career, the end of Sting's career, yeah. and whether or not he holds any grudge against Seth Rollins. He also talked about the Undertaker match with the Undertaker now coming back again to wrestle Triple H for mm -hmm. the last time ever. Might it be Triple H and The Undertaker for the last time ever, but there, might there be a Sting-Undertaker match? That answer you will hear today on part two of a fascinating interview with the man called Sting. Yeah, and when you listen to what he has to say about The Undertaker, all I'm going to say is listen to his tone. It's not about the words that are said. It's about the tone of voice. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, so why don't we now go, ah, you right headlock there? on headlines. All right, so headlock on headlines. Uh, first up, uh, not not the, the greatest headline for the WWE. Um, Monday Night Raw drew its lowest viewership in the history of the show. Okay, now, at, at the time we're taping this, the actual number, the rating number hadn't come in yet. Uh, but when I saw that, of course, I looked at it and I went like, wow, the first question I asked was, what was right opposite it? And I looked it up. There were a lot of premieres uh, of new shows. Mm -hmm. There was a uh, Monday Night Football. Of course, Monday Night Football. And that was you know, that was the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, yeah. you know, um, and according and Hogan, to... By the way, Hulk Hogan was at the uh, uh, the Tampa game, I believe. So Hogan outdrew uh, Monday Night Raw. It's, you know, it's the start of the Monday Night Wars. That's all a headline. Again. Yeah. That's... <laughs> um, so, no, Monday Night Football. And, and, and 
these numbers are what I'm reading of what's being reported. And I'm so, you know, we don't know if these are the exact numbers. And also something, you know, I've always been very confused by Nielsen ratings and whatnot, especially since DVRs became a thing because there have been uh, Eric Bischoff always talks about this on his podcast, 83 weeks. Um, and he will talk as it relates to the Monday Night Wars and he'll explain uh, the differences when people will say that there was a specific rating, what maybe that really meant. Um, and I'm not going to get into all of that, but what I will say is there's a possibility that the numbers were not actually as low, that maybe these were just live numbers. I'm not sure how it works. Uh, We we have to wait to see what comes out in the wash here. Sure. And obviously, if you're talking about in the history of the entire show, you're going back to 1993 when Monday Night Raw began. Uh, The landscape of how you can watch a show is a little different. That's why it makes no sense, Josh. But but what it does do is even if we don't consider this to be the worst rating, the lowest rated show in the 25-year in the history of the show, we can at least agree that in modern times, in the last five, 10 years, this is the lowest. And it's, it's so, you know, the question is, why is this anything to worry about for the WWE? Or is it just, hey, Monday Night Football and a bunch of, and a bunch yeah, of premieres? Yeah, that, that's what I think it is. I don't yeah. think it's a... A worry. There's huge competition going in on Monday nights. Remember, even though it's sports entertainment or pro wrestling, it's it's television, and television is yeah. uh, guided by the numbers. So we have to wait and see in the next few weeks what happens when all the new shows have set in and people have made a choice whether they want to watch those shows and you know how Monday night football is drawing as well. And then there's another side of it as well that. Uh that I personally experience, you know, I have, uh, I'm married and, and my wife and I have shows that we like to watch together. Um, and some of those shows come out on a Monday night. So like what, uh, you know what? I don't even know because I've been so busy that they're all DVR'd. So we're hurting those ratings too. But, um, <laughs> but no, there's some, you know, what's a, uh, there are a bunch of shows. I, I don't even know off the top of my head, but, uh, there's some good. I love Agents of Shield. I don't think that's coming back until January. Well, no, um, the Shield is on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. So um, the uh, uh, also the Resident was a show. I really it's coming back for its second season. I think that came out last night. Um, that return. I have that DVR'd. Uh, I personally enjoyed that. And that kind of goes to my point, Bill. Um, it's a it's a a two point uh, point here, um, a double edged point, if you will. So number one. You have a lot of people like myself who don't always have an opportunity to watch Raw live. I'll watch it Monday night, but you know, my wife and I will sit down, we'll watch a show, and so then So it might be at midnight. Right. And then I will throw mm-hmm. on Raw afterwards and I'll catch up on it and, and watch the show. Um at the because it's a lot easier to convince your wife to al- allow you to just watch it on your own time than say, hey, do you think we can just get to this show that you love another time? I'd like right, to unless sit your wife's a rabid wrestling fan, exactly, which mine uh, is is not. She's but not. She certainly tolerates uh, as best as I could hope anybody would. Um, so the other side of it is like I mentioned a show. Uh, like The Resident. I would venture to guess that the demographic that enjoys watching The Resident is not necessarily primarily the same demographic that likes to watch pro wrestling. There's obviously crossover, 
but you know, you're going that's why you're gonna have your people, your diehard wrestling fans that are gonna watch yeah, because that's yeah. their number one favorite show. But you are right. also gonna get a handful of wrestling fans that are gonna watch these other shows that come on. Not to mention And they're gonna D V and they're gonna D V R wrestling and watch it. I mean there are not to mention football. I mean right, that yeah, is but... far more crossover between I would say the majority of wrestling fans are probably football fans, but I wouldn't say the majority of football fans are no, no, fans. I wouldn't say that. I see. I don't. I don't. I don't buy that. I I find that a lot of the wrestling fans that I talk to, and I'm one of them, have no real interest in watching football. I mean, I, you know, I'll watch it maybe if there's some, like going toward a Super Bowl or something, but I'm not a football guy. So if I'm not watching wrestling, if there's a show on um, that's a, a a good sitcom or a good mm-hmm. drama. Or something on HBO, a movie that I want to watch while wrestling's on. I'll usually DVR that, or I'll DVR wrestling and watch that at one o'clock in the morning. Right, and 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 that's just my point. Is I think that uh, it's it's much ado about nothing, as they say. Um, okay, so wait, wait. Here's the question. All yes. right, when I was growing up, and back in the day, mm-hmm. and even years ago during the uh, Hulk Hogan era, uh, you felt that no matter what was on, you were compelled to watch wrestling yes. live, no matter what else was on, even Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. You so, had to watch wrestling. And that's Attitude true. Era. And so during the Attitude Era, I can tell you, the Monday Night Wars, I was the king of being able to flip back and forth. And you and me feel. both. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think a whole lot of other people as well. But uh, at least in my household and my uh, circle of friends, I was, uh, you know, I, maybe I wasn't deemed the king of it. Maybe I just was a control freak and needed the remote. But the, uh, the point is that I was able to go back and forth between Raw and Nitro. But if there was any other show on a Monday night, that thing was being tape recorded and kids Googled right. it to see what sure. that is. Uh, VHS sure. tape. So here's my, my take on it, Bill. And then t- I'd like to hear your final thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My take on this is let's not all get crazy about it's the lowest rating ever. Oh, the ship is sinking or any of that crap. Like that's, I don't think that's the case. What I, I will say though is this is not a product that is going to make people stick with it. If you're watching Raw, and this is my opinion, if I'm sitting there and I'm watching Raw live and I'm recording something else, the the way the show was uh, this past Monday, I I would have a hard time disagreeing with someone who said, you know what, I'll just I'll just catch up with Raw later. I'm just going to go okay. to something else. Okay. You know, time's valuable. You want to be entertained, and I it just no, hasn't no, been entertaining. No, no, I understand. I I think there were a few things that I found. Uh, compelling on raw and one of them no i haven't heard anybody talk about and it really captured my fancy when uh dolph ziggler was trying to split up the shield and saying to dean ambrose that these guys are using you and for a minute i thought that dean ambrose maybe he was going to attack uh rollins and reigns but it didn't happen of course but then later on um when uh, they tried, who was it? Uh, Rollins tried to convince Drew McIntyre mm-hmm. that he was being used by Strowman and uh, Ziggler. I almost thought that there was going to be a double turn that night where uh, Drew McIntyre was going to wind up with the shield 
and Dean Ambrose was going to go to the other side. Wouldn't that have been compelling enough to watch? It would have been. Um, I still think that we are eventually going to get to Dean Ambrose turning on the shield. Right. But uh, no, you know what? The only reason that I think that maybe that's not going to happen is because they're telegraphing it so obviously. So it makes me think that they're going to have some sort of a, a swerve bro, as they say. Um, but Thank uh, you, Vince Russo. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, their writing has been so like just whatever. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I hate to, I've never liked being the guy who, I always tried to find the good in whatever was being put on. I Me know too, you're the same. Yeah, I know you're the same. I way. still do. Yes. And you do far more than I do. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm not. A lot of people think it's really easy to write a show. It, it's not. It, it's definitely not. And I can only imagine under that type of pressure. But it's just, it just doesn't seem like anyone's trying. And I know that that's probably not fair to say. I'm not saying they're not trying. I'm saying it doesn't feel like they are. All right. Well, you, you know what? I'm going to tell you what that feeling is to me regarding them trying. I think there's so much going on. And the WWE, especially with them preparing for these two huge shows in Mm -hmm. uh, Australia and Saudi Arabia, that everything is pointing toward that. So I think the TV product is being geared toward that so much that maybe uh, it's just not intriguing. They're going through the motions. Yeah, yeah, where they where they because they they know what's going to happen. Uh, in terms of the amount of people that are going to watch this thing. But I don't think there's there's anything new because for weeks they've pr- been promoting the Australia show. Right. For weeks. So it's the same group of people in the same situations. And I'll tell you also, it's starting to get confusing to me between the Australia. It, it almost feels like the Australia show's done. And now they're promoting, you know, like you're, Australia, Australia, Arabia, right? Yeah. Well, no, yeah. it really does. You're kind of just like, okay, so then this match is happening. You're like, wait a minute, which show is this? You know, like you're trying to figure it out. It's, there's a lot going on in this company and, and I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but, uh, you know, this is the same thing everybody's been saying. Raw is just, I always look at it like any other television show since we did a lot of comparing and contrasting with television shows. Did. Um, always look at it and say, no television show would stay on the air if everyone that watched agreed, I love the show, I'm going to keep watching, but man, does it suck. It's going to get canceled. It's just going to yeah, be but, bad. But, but, but you see, that's the story. It's not going to get canceled. It doesn't suck. It, it, it's not going to get canceled because they're still doing, even if it's at their lowest point, they're still doing incredible numbers for the USA network and right. all the merchandising and every, Oh, of course. Uh, no, and everything else it's not going to get canceled, but I just no. feel like it's almost a shame that they that's need a not a up. risk. Well, that's what I'm they saying. It's a almost a shame up. that it's not a risk anymore. I feel like it's gotten too big for itself because now there's no, the WWE, they don't have their backup against the wall the way that they used to. And, you know, the Monday Night Wars, a lot of what that whole thing was about was because the WWE was incredibly stagnant. Now, yeah, are the athletes, you know, way better than, say, like a Mantar? Of course. And the characters as well, of course. But in a lot of ways, from a story standpoint, they're just as bland as they had ever been, uh, you know, back in in the time when things were really uh, not great. 
No, before. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. That was a different. Uh, uh, it was a different era, and this is not. I don't find this bland. I just find it repetitious at times, but not bland. Okay, uh, that's a. F- I that's, really don't. That's a fair criticism. So here's another thing I want to talk about now, and this has to do with uh, WWE and their TV and their promoting, uh, and it's it's another uh, headlock on headlines here. Is that uh, Hulk Hogan tweeted out that he was, and I don't have the exact verbiage here, that he was thrilled to see himself back on the intro yes. on Monday Night Raw. The new so, signature. Yeah, so the uh, the feeling here now is the buzz going on is that the people, the promoters in Saudi Arabia, are interested in bringing Hulk Hogan in on this next tour. And that would bring Hulk Hogan back to the WWE officially. Yeah, uh, that rumor has been going around since, um, and I can't remember the guy's name, but a uh, uh, high up over there tweeted out a picture of Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah, but if, and, if but this with them putting Hogan on the opening of the show again with that classic slamming Andre mm-hmm. the Giant, uh, and, this kind of brings people's mentality back that we can see Hulk Hogan here. Again. I mean, he's he's the first thing you see. So now that is, and that's a really good point of what you're making, uh, at, that you're making there. Because when you turn on from this point going forward, when you turn on any WWE program, no matter what it is, the first image you're going to see is Hulk Hogan slamming Andre the giant. Well, I haven't seen what the opening of SmackDown What's was. Cause I know that was raw, but I don't know if SmackDown's video Oh, I'm sure uh, it's the, uh, the same. Okay. It's their signature. It's it's about okay, again, it's the then now the forever. Smackdown. Yeah. So yes, you know. Uh, right, you peek know behind the missing? curtain. We tape on Tuesday nights. So. Right. So you know what's missing, in my opinion, and I try to watch it slowly, and yeah, I watch I it over thing. and over and over again. Who was missing that I would complain about? Um, was Undertaker in it? No, I wouldn't complain about that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know let's, what you're... Let's uh, think old school, Josh. Old school. Bruno San Martino. Yes, absolutely. So I don't think I saw Bruno on that. I don't think I did either. So here's a, f- a fun fact about that. I don't think so. I may have missed it. So you after chatters, if I missed it, please correct yeah, me. Yeah, I don't think you did. So here's the thing with Bruno. Bruno San Martino was not in the opening signature, the old opening signature, until he passed away. When he passed away a quick clip of him was placed in. It removed, I don't remember what it was, but I think it removed something like Stephanie McMahon and Chris Jericho or something. I don't know. But uh, look, they did this and the way I looked at it and I saw a lot of people missing from, you know, for instance, the Ultimate Warrior had become such a big part of the of the last one and he's not in it at all. And I, you know, look, I don't know the thought process that went into it. I don't know if they showed a list um, obviously the then now forever, uh, the then part was pretty short, you know, uh, yes. the now and forever was basically <laughs> showing, showing, uh, you know, what we've got now and, and moving forward. But yeah, the then part, you know, they showed the rock, they showed stone cold, they showed Hulk Hogan and, and, uh, Cena. Well, Cena was the, was he <clears throat> then or was he now? He's forever. That's what they're hoping. He's forever. But no, no, I, I just wanted to put in my dibs about um, Hulk Hogan 
uh, hopefully that this is the return of him. But if he does return to Saudi Arabia, what what do they do with Hulk Hogan? He's not going to wrestle. So here's a, another question that I have. If he returns to Saudi Arabia, um, what kind of pop do you get for real American in Saudi Arabia? Well, they may change his song. Well, then it's like... Or maybe they'll leave it because that that's... He's identified with that, right. so why change it? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, you know, he doesn't have to come out with the American flag, but, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's I mean, Saudi Arabia is probably a great place as far as, um, oh, man, I don't know how to word this right, uh, but, you know, the people have been very judgmental about Hulk Hogan and, and the things that he's done, and I feel like Saudi Arabia is certainly, you know, uh, a glass house that maybe they don't want to throw stones Um or maybe, um, I don't, or maybe I they don't do know. throw stones, and that's kind of the problem. I'm not, I'm not sure, but you know, Saudi Arabia is certainly not anyone to boo a guy and judge him because he made a racial slur, uh, because they don't no, no. want I that mirror turned there. around on themselves. I don't, I don't think that people in Saudi Arabia um, are is. I don't think that's on their radar. It's just Hulk Hogan's coming to Saudi Arabia. Well, but he's that's the, why I wonder: Do they go for bringing him back there for this monster pop because they know? Hey, they they only see him as Hulk Hogan, the character. Right. Yes, but then I don't think WWE has requested bringing Hulk Hogan there. I think the people in Saudi Arabia, the promoters, are asking to have him brought in. If they're asking to have him brought in, he'll be brought in. Yeah. 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 yeah I have no question so, about that. So let's move on now to uh, another incident on Raw. Yes. And uh, Brie Bella. Um, causing a concussion uh, against uh, Liv Morgan, possible concussion. Yeah. Um, I do believe that the uh, concussion is confirmed at this point. Oh, is it? And, okay. You know, the, the, yeah, the, these things, uh, uh, these things, they happen. I mean, yeah, it's not, they it, do. It, it's, it's, it's sports entertainment, it's pro wrestling, and um, there's no way to defend this. Because we're, we're not uh, – <laughs> how do I say this? Well, you and I didn't do this, so we don't know uh, were they too close. Was Bree too close to uh, Morgan? Was Morgan in the wrong place? What do you mean when you say we didn't do this? What do you mean? No, no. I'm saying you and I weren't in the ring, so we can't right. actually figure out how this happened. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, so she wasn't from, – from my vantage point – and I'm not trying to put myself over in any way, but as a, a former wrestler, um, I will say that I looked at it and I looked at it and I tried to figure it out. Obviously, it was an accident. Like, you know, let's just, you know, agree on that. Um, she was not in a wrong place. What happened was Brie Bella, from everything I could see, she was intense. She was getting into it. She was throwing the kicks and she just started throwing them. Every kick just kept getting higher. And eventually she kicked her in the face and then kicked her in the face a second time because she was not paying attention to where she was putting her kicks. She was paying more attention to the, the theatrics around it. Um, yeah, but we don't, we don't really know that, Josh. We, we can't uh, – I, I can't justify you saying that because we weren't in the ring. We didn't we, – we, we just don't know. I, I think well, it, I, it would be careless as reporters on our part – to say, well, she did this and she did this, she did this. And, you know, because we don't really know, we could see the angles on TV, et cetera. 
but right. uh, we don't know what really why it happened. Well, I, we can, I think we if, can we can think, I think about anything, it, but we can't say. I think anything, and yeah, okay. Obviously, this is just my opinion, but I think anything other than uh, a conspiracy theory that she meant to kick her in the face, which I no. I a hundred percent disagree with. Um, I think there is a zero percent chance that she intentionally did this, and I want no, to make that clear. Right. Um, right. What I'm, what I saw, and I watched this again and again and again because I wanted to, because I knew we were going to talk about it, and I wanted to be able to give, uh, you know, my, I'm certainly not going to say expert opinion, but my opinion, having been in the ring before, and watching it, it was very clear that Liv Morgan continued to sell through every kick in the exact same manner, in the exact same position, and Brie Bella, as she continued to throw those kicks, she just leaned back a little bit her her hip opened up a little bit more and her kick got higher the more she got into the intensity like i said the theatrics of it the more that kick just landed a little high it's why she kicked her in the face twice because she didn't know she was focused on the other stuff had she known she only would have kicked her one time she kicked her once in the face and then she kicked her a second time in the face and still didn't know until she went to well, like. Well, she, she stayed around she, for yeah, but as soon as she dropped, she stayed around for a suplex. Or... Yes, well, she was. They moved her to the corner, and she stayed around for a suplex. And how many people? I mean, take a look at Hell in a Cell with Mick Foley. You know, just because you stayed around to continue to work a match doesn't mean you're uh, you're doing well. Um, obviously, like you said, it was confirmed, so she did have a concussion. Um, and I, I, I want to make this clear. I'm not trying to beat up on Brie Bella. Um, I'm saying she didn't do this intentionally. I'm saying it was an accident, and I think the accident was caused by her being uh, very in the moment, and that's when accidents can happen. And right, the- I, I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to read the uh, tweet uh, from uh, the Bella Twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now on the WWE website. Um, here, let me read this verbatim here. Um, and again, this is from the WWE website. After incapacitating Liv Morgan with a kick to the face during Raw's six-woman tag team match, pitting the Bella Twins and Natalia against the Riot Squad, Brie Bella took to Twitter to express remorse that she took her foe out of the match the way she did uh, adding that her thoughts are with Liv despite being at odds in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's quoted as saying, every match on Raw is an opportunity for us to entertain our fans. Bree wrote, our intentions as WWE superstars is to win the match, never injure our opponents. Thinking about you only live once tonight. So she's, of course, apologizing, and uh, it's no admission of being careless or whatever, just saying that she didn't right. intend to right. do and this. Right, and I'm, I'm not implying, and I'm sorry if it came off that way, that she was careless. There's a difference between being in the moment and not uh, and, and missing your mark and being careless. And I think the internet has attacked her for being either reckless or just not being good. Um, it's, it's not, look, is she the greatest uh, wrestler in the history of the business? Absolutely not. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't think that either of the Bellas are particularly great in-ring technicians, um, and I don't think they're meant to be. I think their personalities and their characters. 
Well, they are, they are, on the other end, they are both uh, very athletic. Oh, I'm not questioning them as athletes in any way, shape, or form, but it's a totally different thing, you know? Um, we've, seen, we've seen that numerous times. You've seen people, I mean, uh, who's one that comes to mind? Steve Mongo McMichael. Uh, Boy, at, you're really digging. Well, I'm just taking a guy, well, what I'm looking for is a guy who has a, a Super Bowl ring, and did not put on a Super Bowl performance inside a wrestling ring. So, you know, you know what I'm saying? So there was no question the type of athlete he was, but it doesn't always translate into uh, in the ring. I don't know. I, I'm not sure he's the right guy. But in the in the meantime, well, I, can, up, I can I can to take wrap out a laundry this, list of people. To to wrap up this segment, just to move on, mm-hmm. is that we hope Liv Morgan, of course, uh, gets better soon. And that uh, Brie Bella has learned um, to, however this happened, uh, that it can happen again. Yeah. And again, I think it was just, uh, I think it was an accident. And I think maybe yeah, she'll caught be in the moment. Yeah. Caught in the moment. Going along with the crowd. Yes. Can be a very dangerous thing. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's a headlock on headlines. Bill, anything else you want to talk about before? No, uh, you know what I miss? What's that? I miss rock and wrestling. Well, if you miss rock and wrestling, there is a fantastic place to go. It's the Rock and Wrestling Podcast. Oh. The Rock and Wrestling Podcast is hosted by Nick Newman. So here's the cool thing about it. It's called Rock and Wrestling because not only is it independent wrestlers, former wrestling stars, but it's also rock and heavy metal personalities. So they have stars from the rock and heavy metal music world. That's the rock part. Some of the guests that they've had on the show include Dizzy Reed from Guns N' Roses, Flip Gordon, Conrad Thompson, Jim Florentine, Tony Schiavone, and uh, uh, a young man named Josh Chernoff. Josh Chernoff, doesn't he host the after chat he does and he also is going to appear on a future episode of the rock and wrestling podcast now the podcast is available on itunes spotify google play stitcher buzzsprout really anywhere where you're going to be looking for a podcast new episodes are every wednesday you can follow them on social media his twitter is nick srnw podcast instagram is rock n wrestling podcast and facebook is nick's rock and wrestling podcast and we thank them for sponsoring the after chat the after chat seal of approval given to the rock and wrestling podcast check it out you had to get the last word in there huh i had to did you really (laughs) i'm telling you no they have a really really great podcast yeah and uh we urge all the after chatters to check it out yeah i had the opportunity to be on their uh on their podcast as i mentioned and uh it was really great it was a great time to uh you think I'll get a call to maybe be on their podcast as well? You, now you know somebody there, so maybe you can get me on the uh, uh, the Rock and Wrestling podcast. I'm going to see what I can do. I think we're going to give Nick a call, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Lapter appears on the Rock and Wrestling podcast sooner than later. So one of the – when we talk about appearances, mm-hmm. one of the people who rarely appears on any talk shows, podcasts uh, is – the man known as Sting. By the way, every time I say that, you know what I think of? What's that? The Black Scorpion. When they used to, uh, they did that loop with the Black Scorpion mm-hmm. trying to terrify Sting, and his voice was 
sting. Used to scare the bejeebers <laughs> out of. I don't know what bejeebers are, but uh, but anymore. just getting back to this, we did part one with Sting several weeks ago, and we promised part two. Part one was just a nice after chat. It was very friendly. He was talking about his career, but the real nitty gritty of the episode with Sting came about when we split this up. And we said, you know what, part two is going to be even more intriguing than part one because he talks about The Undertaker. Mm -hmm. He talks about Seth Rollins and so many other things that he never talked about on podcasts. But he was cool enough to sit down with us and chat about those two subjects and so much more. So I think right now, uh, with your permission, Mr. Host. Oh, Granted that yes, that we take all our after chatters into the room to chat with Sting. So the rumors that went around back then was, uh, and now that it's so many years later, maybe we can just discuss about this. People want to know a Gulam, of a dear friend and fan from uh, England, uh, asked me what. How long did it take? Why did it take you so long to get to WWE? Uh, was did WWE try and and romance you into their company during the hot days of WCW? I, I had uh, probably three on three different occasions. I had conversation with Vince, um, and I was I was close on a couple of those uh, occasions to uh, leaving. Uh, two reasons why I never did. Number one, um, WCW always ended up giving me what I asked for, you know, as far as, you know, it wasn't just financial. It was also how much I work, you know, uh, I I wanted to have it, you know, in black and white contractually, you know, I don't want to work more than these amount of days and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Uh, only a certain amount of house shows that I want to do throughout the year. And, And so they, they, they gave me what I wanted. And, and as far as um, Vince, you know, the Vince and I would talk, and it was always great. And then the attorneys would talk, and things kind of would change. And um, But I always thought that in the earlier days, I thought that Vince wanted me more to undermine WCW than he did to have me as a talent. That's interesting. So it wasn't, it wasn't the situation where... There was like this whole the attitude error and all that, and the stuff was uh, wasn't PG. Because that's always kind of been then. the narrative, yeah. I yeah. think. What Bill's yeah. saying that it was that you just didn't want to be associated with uh, more of the risque side of of the what WWE they were doing. The well, in the later years, yeah, you you, you could you could say that. Yeah, okay. I mean, um, uh, that, that 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 was definitely a, a part of it as well. But you know. That wouldn't have stopped me from going up there. I mean, I mean, I'm a I'm a pro wrestler. You know, this 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 is what I do, and I and I'm not going to. Uh, I mean, I I always thought you know, everyone knows who I am. They know what I stand for. They know what I believe, and and if I go up there and you know, uh, they ask me to do something you know maybe that's against you know my my conscience and you know I just can't do it then. I, I won't do it. Right. <laughs> and if it's good, if it's goodbye at that point, then I was ready to just say goodbye. I mean, that, that's all there is to it. Um, 
but I always thought, you know, they're, they know who I am. I mean, they're going to try to capitalize, you know, and, and not ask me to do something ridiculous and stupid that even wrestling fans would say, why they have him do that? You know, yeah. that's not, that's, I mean, not even his character, you know? And so, um, you know, in, in later years, I, I don't think it was so much that I was worried that Vince wanted to undermine the company. I mean, he put it so well when he did his, his interview when, while I was in Panama City with Rick having our last match, and he was in Cleveland. And, and he said, you know, there's only one way to become a billionaire, and that's to become one yourself. I mean, only one way to beat a millionaire, and that's to become one yourself. Right. So right. what did I do? He said, I grabbed Ted Turner by the throat, and I goozled him, <laughs> and I became a billionaire. You know? yep. And, uh, I mean, he, that was it, man. And so, he, you know, he didn't have to worry about undermining any company at that point. Sure. And, and so, and, or, or any time after that. Yeah. So... And I did talk to him after that too, and that's uh, that's when the the attorneys got involved. You know, I had a great conversation with Vince, and the attorneys got involved, and, and things kind of changed. Yeah, of course. And uh, so I, I just I held off, and I ended up going to TNA, and you know, I'll never forget that conversation with Bill. I mean, with uh, Vince. You know, he's he's on the phone with me, and he says, you know, this thing. He said, I I I find this hard to believe. <laughs> you know. The, the legacy that you leave behind and the thought of you going to TNA is just bleh. Wow, That's exactly wow. what he said. Wow. Bleh. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so, yeah. And so you fast forward to, you know, my coming back to do WrestleMania, you know, I, I sent out a text to, uh, to Vince and to Triple H that just simply said, have you guys turned the page on Sting yet? That's and, and really? because I didn't, I honestly didn't, I did, honestly didn't know. Did, did they turn the page? Are they done? So, or would they consider uh, a run up there? You know. So uh, and obviously they considered it. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about your time in the WWE, uh, but first, TNA. Did you expect to be in TNA as long as you were? Because I think in the beginning when you started there. It really seemed like the place where a lot of the, the the legends from WCW or even from the WWE had kind of moved on to it. And then it really built up and became something where once again, at least from a fan's point of view, uh, I saw you now you're kind of like the franchise of TNA. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you expect that or did you think, hey, I'll go to TNA, I'll work a little bit and then we'll see what's next? Yeah, I I thought you know let's let's try TNA and and again you know they kind of gave me what I wanted and obviously it wasn't all about money with with mm-hmm. TNA but you know a schedule that I was able to have that that I could attain oh, yeah. and you know they were very agreeable and and so uh, we we did that and 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 the rest is history um, you know and I I I planned on doing it for you know, a year maybe or, or a couple of years. Um, but, you know, they brought me in in hopes that other bigger name guys might want to come in. Because and you were there. That, 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 that worked because quite a few of them ended up coming in. Kurt Angle yeah. was the first. You know, Mick Foley was there. Hall and Nash, they were there. Yeah. I mean, you know, Scotty Steiner was, Hogan was there. I mean, you know, it, a lot of guys ended up coming in there. And, and it was a lot of fun. Hey, wait, we got to rewind for a second here because you just mentioned someone who we 
we had on the past two episodes. We did an in-depth uh, interview with uh, Hulk Hogan. So uh, just um, Sting and Hulk Hogan, uh, people look at them on the same level. You know, one was the, the franchise of WWE, of course, the other the fa- franchise of WCW. Tell us about your relationship with Hulk Hogan and, and the whole feeling of uh, everything between you and Hogan. Everything's great w- between Hogan and me. I mean, we, we go all the way back to, you know, the very beginning, even before I started wrestling. He'd, really? he'd come into the gold gym that I co-owned. Uh, really? People freak out. And, was and, that in uh, California? Area, it was in California, yeah. And, and at the time, we were we were in Reseda on Sherman Way, right in right in the San Fernando Valley. And, now wait a minute, wait a minute. And, uh, the, the reason I'm asking you about this is that when the magazines were all banned from taking pictures of the WWF guys back then, there was a photographer, um, and I forgot his name, in Los Angeles who went up to your gym, and I now this is coming back, and took a picture of Hogan that made it onto our cover. That was probably your gym. Could very well have been. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I grew up in the Santa Clarita Valley, which is it's, it's just, you know, 20 minutes north of the San Fernando Valley, depending yeah. on which area you go to. But in Santa Clarita, we didn't have pro wrestling on TV, so I didn't even know what it was. So, you know, the people in the gym would be freaking out, and I'd say, who is it? He goes, Hulk Hogan. And I had heard the name Hulk Hogan, but I, I didn't know who Hulk Hogan was. And, uh, wow, pro wrestler, you know, this and that, you know. And uh, I'm like, what? what? He was in the Rocky movie. Oh, that's the guy from the <laughs> oh, Rocky movie? Oh, lips. wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I, that's, the, that's the only way I knew him, you know. Right. And uh, so, you know, we go all the way back then you know and then i go through the whole wrestling camp thing i'm approached by somebody and i end up in pro wrestling and um you know rubbing shoulders with hogan and you know all the rest of them and it it was you know small small world and you know i dubbed myself from from venice beach as well and and i felt like i could do that because you know i i one of the the owners of my gold's gym in the valley was Ed Connors, who was the treasurer of the Mecca, the, the main gold gym in Venice Beach. And I would, I'd work the counter in there. I'd be working for gold gym in Venice Beach and, you know, Sylvester Stallone, you know, Schwarzenegger, all the best bodybuilders in the world, all the celebrities, all the freaks everywhere, especially <laughs> in those days. They, you know, they, they, were, they were in there. And so, and then I would come and I'd, I'd also run my club, which was in Reseda, and Ed was my partner, and, you know, then Hulk would come in and the rest is history. But, yeah, crazy. And then, you know, wrestling with him and being in storylines with him all those years later, and then he actually, we got close enough at one point that he had me do his, his TV series. Thunder, <laughs> right? Thunder, Thunder in Paradise. Paradise. Yeah. Thunder in Paradise. We ran yeah. pictures in the magazine of that. I remember that. Yeah, he had, and you know, and he had such incredible ratings, um, but they didn't pick it up for a second season. No one could understand why. Was that really I only mean, one season? Had, it was only one season. Yeah. Yeah. I loved I did, it. I did, three, I did four episodes, and, and the last two, you know, they were it was a, a, a sequel. So and and then they were offering me. They wanted me to be a regular 
on the on the show for the second season and the third and fourth. You know, <laughs> Wait a minute, there was seasons. a picture of yeah. you and he fighting in the water, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it was, it was it was fun though. But I mean, see, I never forgot that. I never forgot that Hulk invited me. I mean, he you know he didn't have to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know he saw you know something that might help his show possibly, and to get all the help he could get. And and uh, you know I didn't have great acting abilities, but <laughs> but hey, you know I, I was just starting to take acting classes and this and that. So, um, but I never forgot that, and I was always uh, thankful for it. And then when he came to WCW, you know everyone said, "Oh man, that, 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 that's kind of uncool." It's like it's like you know you were the franchise, and now Hulk's here, and there it's like you you got to step aside for Hulk. And I, what are you talking about? Really? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, it, 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 you know, and everybody was saying this, you know, I'm like, no, I'm not. Are you offended by that? I said, no, I'm not offended at all. I mean, I'm I'm so glad that Hulk Hogan is here because yeah. he's going to add something to this company. I mean, he's, and plus, I don't have to go do all the meet and greet and travel <laughs> all the place and, and do all the promoting for the tours over in Europe and whatever else. I mean, Hulk's going to be doing a lot of that now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's going to help our buy rates. He's going to help our ratings. Uh, everything's going to go up, you know, pay, paychecks. I mean, so I was glad to have him. And um, and then I was really glad to, to be involved with him in the storylines, you know, with the crow and all that. I mean, sure. I, I mean it was awesome. Yeah, I know? definitely don't think Hulk Hogan coming to WCW uh, made you any less of was a star. Bit, no, you know? definitely, I, definitely I think that, that was definitely helpful. That, that uh, feud that you talked about with the crow and Hollywood Hogan, um, that was huge. That build-up is one of my favorite build-ups as a fan uh, to Starcade. I always thought it was so incredible to take a guy who had face paint on, and this is, I'm saying I think you did an incredible job. You didn't speak for a year. Oh, yeah. You had face paint, which made it incredibly difficult for you to have any facial expression, although I guess the lack of expression maybe was the was the biggest expression, but just, man, it, it really an amazing thing when you think of, wrestlers is the the big promos the big you know yelling you know and just to see this this character just become huge by not saying a word not wrestling a single but match. yet but yet this guy the crow where the fans were all the stingers knew it was you but yet there was a dark side that these little of you lurking in the uh all the way up there and the uh, in the ceiling there, the that rafters, the yeah. yeah, that the little stingers were like it was almost scary. What what did you think of that whole situation? Is that something you came up with? Uh, the crow. Yeah, I mean the whole thing with the uh, yeah, hiding I mean, in the rafters, so etc. Question as it was just kind of a yeah. Hey, I think you were great at that. I yeah, guess. but I'm so turning it into a we question. Going with. Yeah, I mean that 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 was one of those. That was a, a lesson really that that I learned just in the process of doing our business. I mean, and that mm-hmm. is, it's a very simple, less is more. Yeah. Uh, not speaking for a year. How, how does this happen? And, and the, but, but how, how was the interest so big? And, you know, wrestling, especially when I first started, you know, in the mid eighties, it was over the top. I mean, guys like Randy Savage, Macho Man Randy Savage, you know, with his, his, his teeth, you know, he didn't want to show his teeth, you know, and his, his hand moving, you know, just these bizarre mannerisms and personality and yeah. dig it, ooh, yeah, brother. And I'm like, man, 
all these guys have personalities. You know, mm. George the Animal Steel. What the heck was that? I mean, <laughs> you don't see any of that anymore. Nice. No, no but, one's, no you know, one's when, eating turnbuckles. Yeah, it, it was just, it was all characters. And, and so, but as the years kind of started to go by, you know, some of the in-ring interviews, I started noticing, you know, where you had two personalities that really knew how to, how to talk. And, and, you know, and they're having their jousting going back and forth. Yeah, they're still playing up to there to the balcony, but there's something real personal and kind of intimate about it, you know. Yes, yeah. And it's like, man, all, all they did was one interview, and they got, they got more heat on that from one interview talking to each other than so-and-so over there has for three months they've been trying to build that thing up, and it's just not taking off. Yeah, yeah. And so I started to realize, man, you know, I... Less is more, and and I'm I'm not talking, and it, it's just you it's know working. facial expression, your 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 demeanor, <laughs> whatever, and, and just that alone can tell a story. That's the other thing is I I I have had wrestling fans say, oh I remember watching you, I I, I used to just look at look at your eyes as you were walking down the aisle, and I. And then when you were in the ring, I just, you know, on TV, I just look, you know, they'd get a close-up on your face, i just look in your eyes, and your eyes tell a story. I mean, your eyes, are, it's so <laughs> yeah. deep, you know. And I've, I've had so many people say that to me, and, and you know, less is more. And so yeah. a lot of times that's what I'll, I, I will, you know, if I try to give any kind of advice to some of, the, some of the newer guys, you know, it would be that. You know, I always think less is more. So, anyway. Yeah, it, it, it became a... Uh... And almost a, a scary character. So I uh, want to move on to uh, WWE, of course. And uh, so WWE is going to Australia, Australia in uh, October. And the main event that they're pushing is Triple H for the last time ever against The Undertaker. And there are fans who are very psyched about this, but the match that they've been talking about for years was why didn't we get Sting versus The Undertaker? So what's the story behind that? Um, it, it's a dream match for sure with wrestling fans all over the world, and it was a dream match for me too. I've, I've, I've never heard Undertaker reciprocate that once, so I'm not <laughs> sure how he feels about it exactly, but... I always wanted to have uh, you know one one match with him, and then by the time I got my foot in the door with WWE and did my first WrestleMania, I, I still had hopes that somehow or another um, I could end up doing, and, and I wanted it to be my very last match uh, against Undertaker to go out like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that there probably was potential for it to happen, and then I got hurt, you know. Yeah, and and, uh, and that's something that I had wanted to ask you about. You know, we saw you. Wrestle Triple H at WrestleMania, and then we saw your match with Seth Rollins. Yeah. You had to have, I, I know you, maybe you didn't know every last bit of creative, but but you had to have had at least some sort of an idea, at least I would think you did, of what you were going to be doing, how long you'd be there maybe, what you were planning to do in the WWE before your career was cut short. Can you share any of that with us? I mean, I was just doing one-offs with them. Were you uh, really? Yep, that's, that's exactly what it was, and... And you know, and I and I was making it known that I that I would like to have that that last match mm-hmm. with Taker. Um, and then you know there was, there was one time you know he had already you know they'd already pretty much signed 
with uh, Brock, Brock, Brock and right. Baker. Right. Uh, so that one was already done, and um, you know, it just it, we just we just couldn't for whatever reason. And and I don't really have all the reasons. I just I just know that it it never happened, obviously. And um, and I wanted it to. And I I yeah. think that if I could if I'd have you know made it through that last match with Seth, I was really gonna push hard to see if I could get that WrestleMania with, with uh, Taker. You know, it, it's, um, it, it just, it, I had so many ideas that developed over a couple of decades, you know, based mm -hmm. on his character and my character and some, some of the ideas that I had in my head. Someday somebody's going to do some pretty cool stuff like that with characters that are similar. Um, mm -hmm. And it all has to do with, you know, Flight of hand and special effects and holograms and oh man, I, I had some ideas that would have rocked everybody. It, it would have been, I mean, it would have matched his character and mine. And you know, I, I believe it would have left you know people with their jaws open and you know they would have been ex very very entertained. Is there is there any example that you're comfortable giving us? <laughs> Oh, uh, man. Uh, <laughs> well, let, let's just say, you know, uh, like, you know, disappearing acts. You, okay. you remember years ago when we, you know, the whole Sting thing up in all the portals in the arenas, you, you, you know, uh, you, you'd see a Sting come out of the portal over there on the north side of the arena, and then, oh, well, there he is on the east over there. Right. Oh, no, 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 there's another one, you know, and then there were a whole bunch of Stings, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, this kind of stuff, but, you know, possibly with the real thing um, at one point where it's most definitely me. And just, let's just say just, just disappearing acts. That's all okay. I want to say. Or, or, I mean, the, or the return of the Black Scorpion. Sting. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. No, let's, let's not have let's that. Right. <laughs> well, that's... A, that's that's one thing. Oh, you know, after thirty years of being in this business, there's so much material out there on me, man. Yeah. I mean, I was I was standing there. When, you know, somebody at the this um, I was doing autographs a few days ago, and they said, "Do you know this is the 25th anniversary of Shockmaster?" <laughs> oh, right. And, I, and you know, they're talking about that. So I was there. You know, uh, yep. RoboCop. RoboCop. I was gonna so, say, yeah. I, 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 I was there. I mean, it, you know, it was like... Uh, How could you not remember? Yeah. So the the uh, the unfortunate part, of course, about your WWE career, uh, the match against Seth Rollins, mm -hmm. um, tell us about your uh, your feelings about that and your feelings about Seth Rollins, et cetera. And yeah, I feel like Seth Rollins has, at times, um, gotten a, a reputation... I don't want to say a reputation, but I think some people have... have place the blame on him for your getting injured. And I know, you know, Finn Balor was injured from the same move. Um, would you put the blame on Seth Rollins or would you say that was just a freak accident? It just kind of happens. What, what caused that? Um, it, it was just a, a, a freak accident. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, Seth, it, it is not his fault. I mean, not even the slightest percentage of anything. That's good I, to I hear. mean, it, it was, it was without question, it, it was me. 
and and to this day I cannot figure out what the, what the heck I was thinking. What I, you know, my neck I whiplashed back really bad two times in a row, and the second one, the first one caused you know my my the shock to go all the way down both arms, left and right, all the way to my fingertips, where it felt like my fingertips were stung like bees, you know, stung by bees. Oh. And and then the second the second one, I mean. I got up to my feet and we were trying to continue the match and my legs started to feel like rubber bands. And I realized I don't have control over my legs. I, I, I'm afraid that if I start running the ropes right now, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, blow my knee out, break a bone, tear, tear everything up. Right. I mean, I, cause I, I didn't have any control. So I went down to all fours, you know, mm-hmm. and tried to figure out what the is going on, you know, and um, so, but it wasn't his fault. I mean, he did, he did nothing. I mean, I, I, I'll, Finn I'll Balor said the same uh, thing, by the way. Yeah, Finn Balor had also yeah. said it was not his fault. It I was, mean, yes. yeah, period. Yeah. I mean, just end of story. It's just uh, no fault whatsoever. And then what do I have to say about Seth? I mean, he dressed up like me for Halloween. I mean, I, yeah. I'm, I'm flattered, you know. Uh, I, I have bragging rights. This, this this was my last match mm-hmm. against one of the greatest, really. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the greatest wrestlers. He is extremely talented in the ring and mm-hmm. and very easy. He's uh, he's just a, a pleasure to work with in, in every way, and so accommodating, so respectful. So you know, I mean, he just wanted to make it right, you know, and so did I, and. Um, you know, uh, to say that I had my last match with, with WWE with the, for the world title against Seth Rollins, I'm bragging. Uh, this is yeah. good, and and uh, I'm glad that I can say that I went out like that. So you're 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 going out, really, and this to wrap up our interview here is the crowning glory of being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Is this something because of all the years you spent everywhere else beside WWE you ever thought was going to take place? Oh, absolutely not. I didn't. There was nothing in me that believed that there was any chance anything like that would ever, ever happen. And I had wrestling fans through the years say, hey, you know, Sting, what are you going to do when, you know, when WWE uh, asks you to come into the Hall of Fame? They want to induct you. I mean, what, what do you do if they ask you? You know, and I... I always say, well, that that's not going to happen. <laughs> They're not going to ask me, and that was always pretty much my answer. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, by the time I actually go up there and, and wrestle, and they were talking about doing it, I, I said, well, I, you know, I'm flattered. I mean, I'm, I'm I think it's awesome, but I'm I'm still active. <laughs> 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 you know, it feels kind of funny, you know, and uh, but I agreed to do it. And um, and it was good. So I have a couple of things to to wrap up here. Uh, a couple of quick questions. Fan questions. Yeah, these right. are these are fan questions. This comes from uh, Rob Bloom, favorite opponent of all time. Oh, uh, it's it's got to be Rick. Rick. Rick's the one who taught me the ropes. Rick's the one who put me on the map. He he uh, groomed me. He taught me so much in the first six months of working with him. I learned more than those really three months of being with him and then the first two and a half years of being in the business. What, what about your favorite Sting persona over the years? It's probably the Crow. Yeah. Probably the Crow. Do you consider the Crow 
anytime you've had the this type of look or do you consider the crow the the silent you know very long hair because i mean you've kind of kept the same look throughout the remainder of your career but do you consider all of that the crow or do you still kind of uh, compartmentalize those as well no i consider it the crow okay. i i mean yeah the white the white paint with black you know mm-hmm. on there it, it, it's 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 crow all right. So what would you like to, wrapping up here, fans all over the world uh, love you, admire you, and you've become uh, an idol to so many of these people. What would you like to say to the people that supported you throughout your career? Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really, I really mean that. Uh, we were talking earlier about, you know, the fans and, you know, what, the, what they mean and we've heard so many wrestlers do their interview in the ring, and I'm one of them, you know, where if it wasn't for you wrestling fans, there wouldn't be a Sting. There wouldn't be a John Cena. There wouldn't be a Hulk Hogan. And it, it, it's true. It's, it's very true. And the one thing that I, I have really noticed in the last couple of years that I've been doing these, these appearances mm-hmm. is wrestling fans, they are extremely loyal and and very respectful and you know if 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 they're treated right then they appreciate and they treat you right in return and when i say treated right i don't mean just when you meet them on the street or in a hotel i mean treat them right in the ring you know you're not going to you're not going to be one of those guys that's you know fickle i mean you know milking every injury and we don't hardly see him that much and then when he is here he doesn't really put out in the ring and you can kind of tell, you know, this is somebody who's just kind of going through the motions right. versus somebody who's really, really trying to entertain. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm thankful. And I, so I, I, like, I like meeting with uh, the fans, talking with them. And, and, you know, I've done some panels here and there. And, you know, they're, they're just, they're, they're, it's fun to do. They're, it's fun to, you know, talk about old times. Yeah. Yeah, and they were great all times. And I want to publicly thank you for all the, not just on the personal end, but on the professional end, that any time I needed to take a picture of you, do an interview with you or anything for the magazine, or just to talk to my son, you were always right there and you never hesitated. So thank you publicly for that. Uh, it's my pleasure, Bill. You've always been good to me. <laughs> I always tried to be accommodating for you and you know, we take those pictures and um, you know, Hulk was the one that he taught me that originally too. You know, he'd stare, stare. There's, there's Bill right there, photo off right now. Come on, let's get you know. And so, we we would always position ourselves for Bill, you know. And uh, good good times. And uh, tell Brandon I said hello, Josh. It was great. Meeting you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Fascinating, huh? Josh? Yeah. So now. After Chatters, you have finally heard part two of Sting. And I honestly, I could have talked to the guy for hours and gotten part three. Well, what about part part three? Part three, I think we're going to have to have him back for part three. Yeah, we we will. I'm I'm sure he'd he'd come back. And I want to thank Sting publicly because, again, he doesn't do a lot of these, but because of the professional and personal relationship that I've had with him since he began as a rookie, uh, he just felt like hey anything you want to do billy and there it was 
Yeah, it was Stay. great. Great opportunity to speak with him, and I uh, hope that you guys enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can tweet us at the After Chat on Twitter. Uh, visit us on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash the After Chat. Uh, and you can always get Bill on Twitter as well at After One Wrestling. Yeah, by the way, I am still with OneWrestling.com. So you people can go there when you're not listening to uh, After Chats. Uh, you can go to OneWrestling.com and catch uh, the news. And when you're not doing that, you can tweet at me at So Says Sherna. Hold on. Got a bulletin here. Hold on. It is from Broadway Bub. Oh, he's back. He's, hold on. Come back. Hi. Ah. I got the part. You got the part, Broadway Bub. I got the part in in uh, in Danny, the uh, orphan. Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, talking about getting a getting your part in Danny and all of this is really making me uncomfortable. But what I would like to talk to everybody about is Blue Chew. I feel like we uh, we have some fun. We bring on guests just like just like you, Bub, and. Uh, what I think is really important is to make sure that our after chatters really know everything there is to know about Blue Chew. Do you agree? Absolutely. And you've already put your order in and used the promo code Bill. You just paid $5 shipping and you will be receiving your first shipment free tomorrow, I believe you've been singing about, because you went to BlueChew.com. Hmm, perhaps I could do that song from Carousel, My Boy Bill. I will see, because that's Bill, like the code word you should use to order your Bluetooth, and you get, what do you get? Well, you get your first shipment absolutely free with just $5 shipping. Uh, I'm being waved over to another place. There's another show auditioning here. Okay, well, wish you the best of luck. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I will, uh, may I come back on the show and do some more Broadway tunes? Yeah, you know what? Uh, don't call us, we'll call you. And, I just uh, heard that before I'm leaving. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, Bill. Yes, I'm back. Uh, I did want to take this opportunity. You know, Blue Chew has been a, a great sponsor to the After Chat. And I want to make sure that everybody understands, because while we do, as I mentioned earlier, have a lot of fun with this, uh, it's important that they, they get what this is all about. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. But what's important is the, the difference here. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The other thing that we can't stress enough, Bill, is that you don't have to have a problem to use this. A lot of people think, they think Viagra and they think, oh, well, I don't have any problems. I, I don't need Viagra. It's not about that. It's about getting you to your very best. It's about, you remember the days when you were always ready to go? And it, it's about increasing your performance and getting the extra confidence that you need. So Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no doctor's visits, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code BILL to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And as always, we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. Josh, I've got an assignment for you. All right. There's a wrestler who was brought in as an extra recently on Raw and SmackDown. And there's a relationship that you have had with this 
wrestler, I'd like you to, if you wouldn't mind doing this, uh, get him on the after chat line and find out what it's like and how this happened for him to be brought in as an extra by WWE. Because this is not something everybody can do, yet so many people aspire to do this. Yeah, and you know what? Great minds think alike because I was going to surprise you with this, but uh, I went out and took care of this interview earlier in the day. Oh, and, you did? Uh, I was going to throw to it right now. I knew this was something you were going to be interested in, and I knew this was something that the after chatters yeah. would be interested in. So uh, without any further ado, why don't we throw it to my interview with independent wrestler, The Solution, Dave Sake. All right, I am joined now by the one and only Solution, Dave Sagan. Dave, how's it going, man? Hey, Josh, how are you? I'm doing well, and uh, we've talked about this in the past on the After Chat, that you and I go way back. Uh, we won't bore people with all of the details. We'll wait until you're the mega star that you're going to become, and then we'll have you on here, and then we'll talk all about our relationship to each other. But, uh, oh, yeah. but we have known each other for many, many years. You are now out in Texas pursuing a career as a professional wrestler. You are, uh, as we record this, how many days into your title reign are you? I believe today Day 32. Of the Prospect Championship? Yes. Yes. So uh, what we want to talk about is your time uh, a couple of weeks ago for the WWE. You were backstage as an extra for uh, Hell in a Cell, Monday Night Raw, and SmackDown Live. Uh, and you appeared on camera for Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live. But let's go back to first how, because the after chatters are probably wondering, how do you end up being an extra? Like, how does that happen? So take us through that. Yeah, so um, the WWE Performance Center website actually does have a recruiting section now. So basically, you want to fill this thing out weekly to kind of keep yourself um, fresh on there. So upload new pictures, new matches, things of that nature. So that when they are coming to the town, they're looking at the local talent in the area. Um, they can see who's there and who they want to bring in. Um, so I was throwing that out, but I got some uh, advice from my trainer uh, to go ahead and email somebody who uh, works there, the guy who's in charge of booking the extra talent. Um, so about four to six weeks out, I was not only keeping on top of the profile itself, but I emailed this individual um, you know, the same stuff that would be on my profile, just, you know, kind of like a job interview, you know, putting sure. out there that I was looking for, you know, work when they were in town or whatever. And, um, then when the time came for them to reach out to the local talent, I did get the invitation to come on down along with, uh, one of my partners, Ryan Remington, uh, last time they were in town, my other partner, Tommy Becker, uh, hit gotten the call to go down there. So Ryan and I got to go together this time. All right. So the, uh, and you guys collectively are known as the impact players. Uh, yeah. A name given to you by just incredible for anybody thinking that you guys just stole it. Yeah. He, we did get the blessing from him himself. Um, I mean, who knows how long we'll run with that name, uh, but it's working for us out here right now. Uh, um, when we were up on the East coast in the Philly area, Back in July, when we saw you at um, Modern Vintage Wrestling, lots yes. of other places, yeah, some some people definitely scoffed at the name. So, <laughs> um, you know, we're 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 always open to change and ideas and stuff like that. But it's working for us down here right now. Uh, so okay, so you you get the um, the invitation to come down there, uh, and I wanted to really just try and take people through 
what it felt like for you. Um, yeah. You are a lifelong wrestling fan. You, like me, um, you know, collected action figures. Uh, it would, yeah, it, it's, you know, and you know what? And uh, uh, Zack Ryder and uh, Kurt Hawkins have made it much cooler to admit that you had action <laughs> figures or still do now with their new podcast. Yeah. Um, so what was it like for you just to pull up to, you know, you've pulled up to so many arenas in the past just to go to a show as a fan. What was it like to be able to kind of go to that uh, private area that until then you'd only been able to maybe look down as the wrestlers were pulling up in their cars to be able to drive to that area? What was this whole, what did it feel like for you? Dude, I'm sure you can imagine, like, just being a fan all my life, um, definitely a check off the life bucket list to be backstage at a WWE show. And sure. the fact that, you know, being backstage at a WWE show, not as, like, a fan, but back there as, quote-unquote, a, a talent, an extra talent. Like, mm-hmm. that's something I never thought would happen. Um, and years ago, I told myself if I ever got back to, to doing this before I did start again, like, if that is the most that I'd ever do, I would be happy with it. Now, you know, um, of course, I'm super happy that it happened. I had an awesome time that I'll never forget, especially after being on camera in a backstage segment and then being in the ring mm-hmm. for a segment with, you know, like two of the guys I am a fan of and look up to and in just that whole experience, like going back, to normal life on Wednesday, being at the, the quote, shoot job, um, you know, just <laughs> sitting there thinking, Jesus, like, I need I need to do everything in my power to get back there because yeah. that's 100% what I'm meant to do. And, you know, it, it, it was always solidified that, you know, being there and being a small part of it for those three days was just insane. And I want that so bad. Uh, and I, I think, you know, if not that you weren't motivated before, because you certainly are, you oh, working man. as much as this you possibly can. a whole other level. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, so you go in there. What's it What's it like? Do they bring you through and they kind of – do they put you in your own locker rooms uh, for, like, the extra talent? Are you – do you ever get to intermingle with uh, any of the superstars or are you just kind of kept separate? Um, so, I mean, we come in there just like everyone else does. Uh, most people will say hello, but, um, I mean, every, everyone was really friendly, you know, like everyone said hello, but you know, they went about their own business. Um, you know, we, the first day we came in, we checked in, we, they made sure all of our paperwork was in order for guys that hadn't, uh, done extra work in like the last year, we had to go get physicals and stuff like that. Um, to make sure, you know, if there was any in-ring stuff that we would be good to go. Um, especially for Tuesday being SmackDown, we were in Oklahoma and Oklahoma does require all wrestlers to have a wrestling license which I didn't think I was going to have mine in time, but I ended up having it. So that was great. Um, so yeah, I mean, we go and we check in, uh, there is an extra talent locker room. Um, and honestly, you know, like once you check in, we could really just go and do anything we wanted to do backstage. Like everyone, everyone talented, just walking around producers, everyone working backstage, we're, we could be in the locker room. We could be in catering. We could be out by the ring while they're setting it up. Uh, we could be out on the floor while the show was going on. Um, like literally we were there and we got to do whatever we, you know, tried to stay in areas where if they needed somebody, something could happen. And that's how I got the spot on raw. Um, so when, when my 
buddy Tommy was there on back in March. He was just saying, you know, he was by Corilla and they were filming a backstage segment of somebody just walking through the background. So, you know, he was there. They had him stand there on his cell phone. So he got on TV for a quick second like that. So we made sure that whenever something was possibly going on to, to kind of be in an area where we were accessible. Right. Which worked out great for Raw because for the authors of pain spot, they picked somebody else to do that originally. Um, and I was out on the floor watching the show and I decided, hey, I was just going to go back to the gorilla area to see if, you know, anything was being filmed. And John Laronitis was talking to Drake Maverick and the Authors of Pain and Devon Dudley about how the guy they chose was too big for the spot. And I literally just happened to walk back and they chose me for it. So Wow. Just, yeah, right, right time, you know? Right place, <laughs> right time. I mean, that's kind of yeah. what this business is all about, really. Yeah, um, seriously. So, and you ended up, uh, you were in the backstage segment where uh, the, as a, I guess you were kind of like a, a, supposed to be like a stage hand. Yeah, something like that. Um, and you were uh, attacked by uh, uh, one of the authors of Pain. Yeah, and then the the coolest part about that was, um, so it was like segment after segment. So I was in that spot there, and then in the next match, they faced two local talents, um, Gregory James and Barrett Brown. And these these two guys are two of my buddies down here also, and they are They've been going at it, plugging away for years, and they are legitimately like two ace guys, two top talents anywhere. Like anyone out there who is looking for new talent on their shows, um, any opportunities out there, Unholy Gregory James and 50 caliber Barrett Brown, there's two guys you absolutely need to take a look at. They are just two top prime talents any, out of anywhere. And that's great. You know, hearing you say that too is is – to me, that's the attitude that I wish everybody in the business had, um, you know, because you do have 10 guys there, everybody hoping to be chosen, right, to, to be yeah. on TV or to be able to work a match. But to be able to just truly be happy for the other people, understanding what it is that they're going going through, you know, going through this yourself, um, I think that's the right kind of attitude. And that's really, you know, good to hear. Uh, and I think that's the type of attitude that's going to take you places you hear so much about you know negativity and stuff like that and yeah i mean there's there's going to be negativity and jealousy everybody's looking out for themselves but i mean at the same time when you do become a little bit closer with some of the guys like everybody wants to always put on the best show whatever show we're on Mm -hmm. and yeah everyone wants to top each other but people are generally looking out for each other you know like me, Tommy, and Ryan, a lot of the spots that we've done have been based on other people going to bat for us to be on their shows, you know? Yeah. And there's a, yeah, I mean, people talk and there's there's a lot of stuff going on, but at the end of the day, too, a lot of us do support each other and it works out really well for everybody. So you did this backstage segment on Raw and I know watching it at home and it was this was the... <laughs> coolest thing that I'd ever seen to be able to see you on there. It was just, it was just awesome. I was very proud Thank of you. you. Uh, and I know you probably, I mean, you must've left there being on cloud nine. Like this is, Oh yeah. man, how can it get any better than this? Right. And then SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of take us through how that came to be. And, and for people, so you were, you were an EMT. Uh, yeah. You got that license very quickly. Um, yeah, very quickly. And uh, you're an EMT in the segment with The Miz and Daniel Bryan and Maurice, where Maurice yeah. uh, was faking an injury. 
Yeah, so I mean, the spot on Raw was completely unexpected, so that was awesome. Then we got to SmackDown. Um, we were hopefully going to have practice matches before the show or tryout matches so they could kind of, you know, see the people they brought in. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things they try to do when they bring in extra talent. But I mean, the la- I-, I heard recently, you know, like things have been kind of hectic, and a lot of times the tryout matches haven't been able to happen, um, which, you know, again, happened with us. They had a meeting that ran long, so that was a shame. We're all in our gear, um, ready to hopefully put on some five-minute matches or so. Uh, but that didn't happen. But they said that they were going to need some EMTs for the night. And they asked who did stuff the night before. And it was me, Barrett, and Gregory. So they kind of like looked at us, okay, we're not going to use you guys tonight. Right. And that's what I thought. I, I wasn't expecting you to be used. Because I wasn't expecting it either, yeah. So we're standing at ringside. And they asked this Japanese wrestler who was there, who was literally in the country for two weeks, from Japan who came to do this extra work. Oh, wow. Um, so he didn't speak really any English. He, he spoke very little English. Um, very nice guy, too. Um, great guy. Um, and then we, they needed one more person, and Dean Malenko pointed at me and said, all right, you're going to be an EMT for the night. And I was like, all right, cool, because I didn't think they were going to use me again. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they took us to the back, and then we didn't think it was going to happen because then they were going to hopefully use local EMTs. Um, but then they found out they, they weren't going to do that. So, okay, we had the spot. Um, you know, they, they got us these shirts, which were huge, made me look like a little kid with a beard. <laughs> um, and the, the guy I was with, um, he was super nervous because he wasn't understanding any of the direction. And we were supposed to have, like, an in-ring rehearsal. And they've got the clock up on the Tron, like this many minutes, the doors open. It's, right. They started that in an hour. We're waiting to rehearse, we're waiting to rehearse. It gets down to be like seven minutes until doors open, and we haven't done anything yet. And in about six and a half minutes, they brought us in the ring to try to go over it. And he wasn't understanding it. And everything was super hectic because everyone was around the ring, and there really wasn't much direction, which, I mean, there was. We knew, we knew what we needed to do, but, you know, like, you and I coming from acting backgrounds, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I was trying to get like a little bit like, okay, you know, like, what should I be saying? As right. EMT, how and especially, be especially because all you ever hear about the WWE now is how scripted everything is. Yeah. 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 So I, was, you know, I wanted to do the best that I absolutely could with the of part course. I was given, um, trying to make some type of impression. So, you know, we, we learned we're going to be in the opening segment. When the thing happens, we rush down there, um, which was, <laughs> dude, just... Coming out and running down that ramp on the live show, that was that was something else. And then sliding in the ring and interacting with Daniel Bryan, The Miz, and Maurice, like yeah, that's <laughs> I, I can't even put into words. That's like hopefully it'll happen again. Um, oh, I'm sure much it will. Sooner than later, but just just an insane moment in my life. Um, something I didn't think would ever happen totally happened. So yeah, I mean, and that had to have been just an amazing. Were were you obviously at in that moment? You're running down there. You're doing what you have to do. On your way back, did you get an opportunity? Once you were done, once you knew you're off camera, but you're still out there. Did you get an opportunity mm-hmm. to kind of take that in? Oh, I I I went I went out there and I looked around real quick, saw everyone, all the seats filled and everything. I was like, all right, this is cool. And then. You know, I made sure to do like the coolest like slide in the ring, which you don't <laughs> see on camera. But like the, I like hopped over the the steel stairs and slid in as well as I could and looked around for a second. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> and I I definitely took it in while it was happening. I okay. definitely did. 
um, that I, I made sure to, to, to do that. So, I mean, like even on the indie scene, I, um, cause you know, I gave it the shot years ago when you had the TWF running. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of guys now they're, they go out there, they have their matches and stuff and everyone's perfectionist. So one thing doesn't go according to the plan they had and they're upset about it. They're throwing fits. I've always made sure, and and honestly, I've I've always made sure to never lose sight of how cool it is that I'm going out there and being a professional wrestler. You know, yeah. Um, every time I go out there, and every time I come back, you know, I don't. I never look at it as oh man, that didn't go according to plan. It's always man. I went out there, had a match. People reacted to it. They were hopefully entertained. I'm doing this because I love to do it, mm-hmm. and I've always. I always keep the best attitude I can about it. And um, definitely being there and doing that, I definitely soaked it in and just said to myself while I was out there, like, man, I, this is what I'm, you know, this is it. No, I got to do this. So, so what's next now for you? Um, Because, you know, there is a chance that the next time they come through town, they might choose to pass on you because of the fact that they, they've used you. So what's, What's next for you? Because um, it, it certainly sounds like, and I know just from knowing you, that the WWE is your ultimate goal. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the dream, the ultimate goal. Um, on the more realistic side, I mean, if that doesn't happen, I'd like to be able to, you know, make a living being a professional wrestler. I don't have to have another job, and this right. is, you know, my only and main source of income, and this and is what I do. And it's definitely the business has kind of become that now yeah um, looking at a lot of the guys in ring of honor and and of course also hey there's you know new japan and and a lot of opportunity yeah. out there outside of the wwe there's a lot going on so your next step what is it so first thing was uh past thursday uh we had an awesome six-man tag match with some really great talents chandler hopkins in the area is blowing up um gino who is a great talent he's the uh, champion over Booker T's Reality of Wrestling mm-hmm. and world-renowned international superstar Sammy Guevara. Uh, we had a really good six-man tag match with them. So the goal is just to keep going out there, having the best match as possible, be as entertaining as possible inside and outside of the ring, and you know just keep trying to get out there as much as possible. Um, you know, I'm I'm someone I don't want to I don't want to you know like take every single booking that comes my way. Cause you know, there are places that aren't as good as others. So right. um, going out there and being in the ring is always a risk of getting yeah, I mean, hurt. You, so I want to make, you only sure. have so many bumps yeah. in you. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I want to make sure, you know, well, I'm not, you know, like just, I'm not turning everyone down. Cause I don't think they're the best, but you know, I want to make sure that the bookings I take are going to mean something. Um, sure. So something, um, one of my mentors, Stephen Kirby down here, He's the owner of MPX Wrestling and, uh, and you know, the head trainer of the school there. Uh, not necessarily my trainer, but I spend time training there. But he told mm-hmm. me there's always three things you should look for in a booking. Um, exposure, experience, and money. And in a booking, if you can get two out of those three, uh, that's a good booking. And That's great advice. You know, as a, as a indie wrestler, I mean, yeah, right now at this point, less than a year, and I'm not going to be making the most money, so... Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm getting in there with good opponents and getting good footage that I can use for stuff. So uh, having matches with guys like Sammy Guevara or like the spirit squad or just incredible, you know, like that, that kind of a little bit elevates my name. 
And mm-hmm. when people find out, you know, you've done stuff with these people, it, it definitely helps. Um, so, you know, just going out there, trying to get out of Texas more. Um, we definitely want to get, you know, out of Texas and, you know, around as much as possible. Not that Dallas is my hometown, but they say, you know, you never make it famous in your hometown. And this is kind of where I'm based out of. So, right, right. you know, trying to get out there as much as possible. Um, and, you know, just doing everything I can. You know, social media is a huge thing now. And I kind of, you know, especially Twitter, I'm not the best at it. So <laughs> trying to keep up with stuff and, and keep pushing forward, keep hopefully having good matches, putting good promos out there and just trying to create somewhat of a buzz not only myself, but the three-man team that we have going on. So you mentioned Twitter not being great at it, but nevertheless, I think, uh, you know, and maybe I'm biased with this, but I think that you have a bright future in the business ahead of you, and some of the after chatters might want to follow you from the uh, from the start here. So where can they follow you yeah. on social media? Oh, if you ever want to follow the Impact players, the three of us, our, our page is not always the most up-to-date, but uh, that is on Twitter, at IP New Generation. Um, my actual Twitter account is at Solution Sagan. Um, you really want to follow my MPX Prospect Championship journey as I do post a picture every single day of my Prospect Championship reign. Uh, my Instagram name is Solution underscore Sagan. And of course, on Facebook, my Facebook page is Dave Sagan. You'll see a picture of me in green trunks. Don't be confused about another Dave Sagan who is wearing a, a, a tank top with a really cute dog. That's that's a different Dave Sagan. Don't worry about him. Yeah, that guy's um, not yeah, right, that's, so that uh, guy just has a personal life. Yeah, yeah, that's just some that's just some mark. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's me on everything. Um, of course, if anyone ever wants to uh, take a look at any of my work, if you just do a quick YouTube search of Dave Sagan. Um, Pretty much all of my matches, whether they're fan cam or um, some better quality, they are up there. Um, in most of my work, you find an MPX wrestling down here in the DFW area. We did just start um, an MPX network, so we are uploading all of our n- new shows, and we'll be uploading other shows later. That's great. Um, that's network.mpxwrestling.com. So those are all things that you can look up there um, if you want to see what's going on. And find Ryan Remington and Tommy Becker and Jamie Aller so you can see all the impact players. And yeah, come if you're in the Dallas area, come check out MPX, man, every Saturday night. The only weekly show in the area. Absolutely. And I've seen some of the videos and it's great action. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and tell us a little bit about your journey to uh, the WWE as an extra. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Josh. And hopefully I'll be blowing up the indie scene one of these days and we'll have a full, intimate conversation about wrestling and me and you yeah Very look forward to it all right thanks Dave. absolutely thank you well that was a great interview with the solution dave sagan a uh, longtime friend and thanks dave for uh for walking us through what it was like to be backstage and out in the ring as an emt uh just a, a great experience for you and, and the first of many, I hope. Uh, and by the, by the way, congratulations. I want to congratulate. I, I didn't mean to talk over you there, but I want to congratulate him because uh, Dave is from the area that you grew up in, Upper Dublin, Pennsylvania. Yes. But you know what? I, I would say that it was, it was really smart of him. The smartest thing he did was contacting the WWE 
to ask for that opportunity to get booked as an extra. That was very, very smart. Yeah, well, you know what? He's got, he's got a smart hold on his whole career. Did you just say smart hold? I did, which kind of leads me into talking about a man who's been in the wrestling business for quite a while. His name is Mac Davis, and Mac Davis has come up with this incredible product, Smart Hold. All right, so what is Smart Hold? Smart Hold is a message on hold service for only $35 per month. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, what do you mean a message on hold service? Okay, for $35 a month with no contracts, I should add. If you run a business where you place callers on hold, one of your most effective and least expensive marketing tools is message on hold from Smart Hold. Plainly put, what a lot of people don't realize is when you place a caller on hold, you have a captive audience. So you can replace the radio stations and CD players, which by the way is illegal, or maybe you have some really bad music that came from the phone, which is got even worse would be silence because with today's cell phones, you probably think you got disconnected. Can you afford to lose that call, Bill, if you if you had someone on hold? Absolutely not. I could. You could lose business. Yes. So with Smart Hold, we make your callers hold time enjoyable and informative while making the callers hold time feel shorter. It also makes you sound more professional because Smart Hold offers pro voice talent, both male and female, unlimited message changes, professional script writers, broadcast quality audio, fresh background music, music licensing fees, and even a smart hold player should you need one at no charge. And this bill is all for only $35 per month per location served and no contracts. Mac Davis uh, definitely has a, a, a smart hold on messages on hold, wouldn't you say? Well, not only that, remember he's, as they say in the wrestling business, he's one of the boys, so you can trust what he has. And you can go to www.smart-hold.com and order today. That's www.smart-hold.com. Be smart. Get smart hold. And Smart Hold happens to also be the sponsor of Ask After. I am here and you can ask. I've got some questions for you. And what I want to start off with, because I've been thinking about this a lot, uh, you know, we've talked a lot on our shows about kayfabe. We've talked about the differences between calling them workers or wrestlers. And again, that all plays into kayfabe. And anyone who knows you or knows you professionally or even goes back to uh, your days with the magazines, uh, originally they were all kayfabe magazines. And for people who well, might not I, even... Well, hold on, hold on. Let me correct that because a lot of people, I want to say something about that, not correct it. Okay. But a lot of people said... The, they were kayfabe magazines, not the right use of the word kayfabe. Our magazines weren't kayfabe, so to say. Uh, kayfabe is like, you know, hiding the angle from the, the, what, what's going to happen from the public, etc. There's so many different uses of the word kayfabe. Well, right. And I hate hearing the word the kayfabe magazines. They were uh, the magazines that we published back then went along with the storylines. So if you want to call that kayfabe, I don't actually think that's the right word to utilize for that. Well, uh, 
I would. We weren't kayfabing people. No, <laughs> well, no, we weren't kayfabing you, people. We but were, you were. We were going along with the storylines or enhancing them. But the storylines were kayfabe. So like you said, there are many ways to use the term. So, you know, if for instance, kayf- for people who don't know, kayfabe would be something that would be said if let's say there were, uh, let's say a, a referee was going over a finish with, uh, with one of the guys, right? And a fan's going to walk by. He might say, the referee might see that fan say to the wrestler, kayfabe. Yeah, And absolutely. says it real quick. And then that wrestler knows there's a, a fan here. I got to kind of be in character. So wait a minute, wait a minute, to... wait a minute. So let me go back now to my early days when I walked into a dressing room in the Philadelphia arena and there were a bunch of wrestlers in there and it was a uh, it was an NWA show. And I remember referee Tommy Young was standing there and uh, there were a whole bunch of famous wrestlers in there. I'm seeing different faces. And one of the wrestlers who didn't know, know me yelled out, kayfabe. And everybody stopped talking just for a second. And Tommy Young yelled out, kayfabe, that's Bill After. How can you kayfabe him? Because this one guy didn't know me. But everybody stopped talking. So, yes, that's a correct description of when the word kayfabe was used. Yeah, I mean, um, and like you had said about about kayfabe having different meanings and people saying it differently, it's kind of, in, in some ways, it's close to gimmick. You know, in pro wrestling, gimmick can be the character you've been given. Gimmick can be uh, a weapon. Gimmick can be literally that thing sitting on a table that I say, hey, can you pass me that gimmick? So there's all kinds of, uh, you know, they're all different terms, different things that you can say using the same word. So, yeah. So, uh, what what's your question then? Well, this is getting back to well, you brought up a thing about the magazines. I would say that those magazines were keeping kayfabe because, and here's oh, keeping kayfabe. You said the kayfabe magazines. Well, they're kayfabe magazines. They're keeping. I mean, what I, a kayfabe magazine versus a magazine that uh, brings you behind the scenes. Like oh, we brought wait wait we brought people behind the scenes. We had photographs of wrestlers in the dressing room. But were they out of character? Some of them were, yes. Because a lot of the guys weren't characters. If you took a picture of Jack Briscoe or Dory Funk Jr. uh, or Ricky Steamboat um, backstage, they were were just who they were, athletes. But if you took a picture of, let's say, uh, Dusty Rhodes as a bloody mess backstage after one of his matches. Which I did many right. times. Did the caption say Dusty Rhodes after putting on a predetermined performance and, no. gigging, and gigging himself deeply? No, no. Or, of that's my not. point. You know the answer. Of course. And we that's put why Dust, it's Dusty Rhodes, uh, Dusty Rhodes after his match against uh, uh, Tully Blanchard. Right. But if you're going to talk about him bleeding and all that – did you or did you not allude to the fact that he was busted open hard way in, through uh, intense competition? No, we didn't use those kind of kind of terms, busted hard no, way. No, I'm, I'm said, saying to you, busted open hard way. I'm saying, did you allude to the fact that Tolly Blanchard's the one who made him bleed? Yes. Then that's kayfabe. No, because we, I remember the mentality back then was – the matches that I was shooting with the camera and photogra- and uh, reporting on was a sporting event. That's how we looked at it. So I don't call that but, kayfabe. Okay. 
Well, I guess we'll agree to disagree because I think thinking that it was presenting it as a sporting event was in fact kayfabing the reality of, no. you know. No, what sorry. It, what wrong, it was. wrong use of the word as I, far as I'm concerned. I don't know. I, I, old I don't know. school after chatters. Let me hear from you. Okay, not only old school after chatters. You know what we're going to do? The next interview we do post recording this, I think I want to find whoever it's going to be and I want to ask them whose side they would be on. And if they if they take okay. your side, I will 100% apologize and, and Well, we need yeah. it we need somebody from that era. Yes. You know, we were talking about maybe getting uh Ted DiBiase on the show in a few weeks. He would be a perfect person to ask. He would be great because he was you talk about backstage I took a million pictures of him backstage in gym, gymnasiums and all that. So it wasn't kayfabe that this guy was an athlete working out in a gymnasium or doing push-ups in the dressing room. That wasn't kayfabe. He was really doing that. Look, oh. you know who you know who'd be even better than that if we can get him on the show, Bob Backlund. Right. You're going to tell me that no. that Bob Backlund, what he was doing backstage, was kayfabe? No, because now what you're talking about are two different things. See, you're talking about it, it, that would be like saying that what goes on in a wrestling ring, every single aspect of it is 100% make-believe and fake because it's kayfabe. No, it, it's, that's not it, what I... No, no but that's what, that's what you're saying. So you're saying if Bob Backlund's in the back doing... Uh, let, let's, you're saying that if I were to say that the magazine was a kayfabe, it kept kayfabe. And that's, again, I think what we're going back to is the magazine kept kayfabe. They did not break... Anything that the wrestling community the as a word. whole would it's not the, want right, them it's to. It's the break. word. We we kept the store. We kept the stories intact. But back then, again, it was a different mentality because that was not considered kayfabe. That was considered this is what's happening at this event. Okay. The word kayfabe was not. It's just well, you know the what? wrong word. I, the I am going to. I am going to call you the winner on this. Because you no, have you don't many have more. to. No, no, you have many. Let's make it a draw. Listen, you have many more years' experience in the business for sure than I do, and you were around in the locker room during the height of kayfabe, uh, and <laughs> and you uh, you wrote for the you know what, what we'll it call is? non-kayfabe magazine. It's not kayfabe. You know what it was? What was it? You know what it was? I'm going to give you a better term. Okay. It was protecting the business. That I knew what it was, but it was protecting the business. And okay. To me, I think it, that's and was I kay? Well, were the magazines kayfabing people? No, the magazines were bringing out the stories of the storylines, enhancing them, and sometimes making our own stories to entertain the fans and show them who was where uh, in all the wrestling territories. But that 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 word kayfabe was mainly used for the first thing that you said that right. if somebody passed by and it was a stranger who shouldn't know what was being talked about then somebody would say kayfabe right that's and, what that and, word and, was and we might just be debating semantics at this point but i but i understand your uh, stance on it and i respect it and we'll move on to my question which is long before you were writing for the magazines uh, everyone else was, we won't say keeping kayfabe, but uh, everybody else kind of had their uh, their own, uh, uh, you know, secrets of the wrestling business, and you were a fan, just like you know myself, and just like everybody else who's listening to this podcast. At what point in time were you smartened up 
to the business, smartened up to the fact that there was something other than a 100 percent, you know, straight competition going on. It was probably I mean, I back in the 60s when I was watching as a fan, my grandparents were telling me that it was all fake. Well, and, uh, and a lot wait, of people, wait, wait. everybody said said that. So right, that's right. Right. Okay, I, I didn't mean right. to cut you off. There, and I and, and I was offered um, uh, one once I found out what was going on. I was offered a lot of money by uh, journalists and newspapers to expose it. But let me let me get to your question here. So when I got into the business, mm-hmm. and I went down, I was doing a radio show in New York in the mid '60s. And it wasn't a wrestling radio show at that time. And I went, got down to Sunnyside Garden to interview uh, Bruno Sammartino and several other wrestlers. And when I went down there, they saw that I respected what they did because I treated it like a sport. Uh, I did ask Bruno in my first interview, you know, we had gripes on the show from people, um, a gripe segment about anything people wanted to gripe about. I used to go to Central Park and I have hundreds of tapes of me taping gripes of people. So one of our gripers sent in a request, can you ask a wrestler if wrestling's fake? So the first, I did a good solid interview with Bruno Sammartino talking about his opponents. And then I said, our griper wants to know if wrestling is fake. And Bruno said to me, if it is. I wish somebody would tell me. And then he went on to show me all his his injuries. So at that point, uh, I started seeing guys in the dressing room who were opponents talking to each other. And they were kind of comfortable around me um, because they knew that I worked, uh, that I did a radio show at that point. Mm-hmm. But there was something about me that I think seemed respectful to them and that this guy probably isn't going to talk about whatever he sees back here. And I, and I never did. Um, so I think back in the mid sixties, I grasped what it was. I didn't know exactly how it worked, but I never paid that much attention to it. If there were two guys talking about a finish to a match, when I started my career, I walked the other way and they knew it. They knew why I was walking the other way. So was I smart uh, before that, yeah, when I got into the business, Stanley Weston, my mentor, smartened me up quite a bit. But I think he thought I was smart when I started working for him at the end of 1970. Hmm. So, yeah, it, I always kind of knew it, but I always played the part of the reporter who I was. And I never really let the wrestlers – I never said to any wrestler – I'm smart to the business. I remember Mr. Wrestling, uh, Mr. Wrestling, <laughs> Mr. Weston, one time calling Al Costello from the Fabulous Kangaroos. Mm-hmm. It's a great question. It's not even in my book. And I heard him talking to Al Costello saying, I'm sending Bill to Detroit. I want you to let him into the dressing room and don't worry because he's smart. And I didn't know what that meant at that point. <laughs> and then he, ex- then he explained it to me. Because so everybody just took knows it as what a it compliment. Means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows what it means now because everything's online and you can sure. track everything. But yeah, that that's when I started to get smartened up. And there were a lot of wrestlers who were also very leery of having this uh, guy in the dressing rooms. And there were a of lot course. of dressing rooms I couldn't get into for many years until other wrestlers who trusted me 
endorsed me, like Bruno Sammartino, Mr. Wrestling Number Two, um, Ric Flair. These people endorsed me. Well, that's it's a very interesting. So did that story. answer the question? It did. It did. Okay. Um, you, know, you talked about being banned, and that makes me think about when you were banned from. Uh, the WWF, and I wish that yeah, how we are we could... doing on that? By the way, oh man, I wish that we we could talk about that right now, but unfortunately, we are only at thirty five ratings, and we need to get to fifty. Now, we did get a couple that are not showing up here uh, that I got word of that came from the UK, and apparently, the UK doesn't uh, it doesn't count on the app. In the United States, like uh, apparently here in the United States, we we obviously wouldn't care what the UK people's opinions are. I, I think it's a little ridiculous that they won't show us their ratings, uh, but we're going to count that. So we're actually going to say we're up to 37. And uh, yeah, just keep keep bringing them in. You know what? We don't even need five star ratings. Give us the ratings you think we deserve. And then please leave a comment and tell us why. We appreciate you guys listening, and uh, you know those ratings are important. It is a great way for iTunes to uh, to get a handle on uh, how people feel about us, which helps us uh, kind of keep the show going and keeping it free for you guys, which is which is and girls. Um, so I'm trying to think if I have another question. I have your book. Is wrestling fixed? Um, as you know, I. Didn't know it was broken. I still don't know. Okay. I'm not sure that that's the exact title of the book, but uh, I will. Um, I would like to ask a question. I'm just going to flip to something. One of the few times I ever got to photograph Vince McMahon Jr. This was at a WrestleMania press conference. Note The Undertaker and former WWE executive Basil DeVito looking on. Do you remember this time? Absolutely remember that time. That was at a press conference for WrestleMania, and the uh, I had not taken a lot of photos of Vince McMahon at all, Vince McMahon Jr. He was camera shy, even though everybody knows that— yeah, You wouldn't uh, think it. He, no, no, but he's camera shy in a different way. He always told me that, Bill, the magazines that you guys do are for the— wrestlers for the boys i don't need to be in the magazines and i'd rather not be in the magazines i didn't know eventually he was going to start his own magazines mm -hmm. but that's another story for another time but yes as i was standing there taking his picture uh the undertaker was at that press conference as was uh, basil devito who was letting the reporters either talk to and interview or photograph the people at the press conference. So yeah, it was it was great because it was one of the few times I got Vince to pose for me. And what's great is there's a picture. It's not just the picture you took of Vince McMahon. It's a picture of you taking the picture of Vince McMahon in your book. And yes, yes, uh, yeah. So after chatters, while you can see a lot of cool pictures over at Instagram at the after chat, this is not one of them. You want to see this one? You got to go to theafterchat.com, click on the icon of the book where it says book and it'll take you right to buy yourself your very own copy of is wrestling fixed um hmm i didn't know it was broken i feel like i'm gonna have to teach you the the title of this book not especially <laughs> um well bill all right well thank you for uh this ask after and thank you for calling in here uh this was our first one that we did not uh sitting across from each other um, and I think this went pretty well. 
I think it went great. I really did. I really did. But as as I'm sitting here um, in the Midwest, I'm getting many, many texts from many after chatters and I'm being called down to a meeting, a special meeting mm. with some selected after chatters that are waiting for me downstairs to discuss some things for future after chats. So, so how come I wasn't invited to this meeting? Um, well, let's just say you might make it to the next one. It might be necessary. Well, maybe I don't want to go to this meeting, but Bill, you probably should. Josh, thank you again for some excellent hosting, some great after chatting. I love the back and forth with you. Hey, and thank you for being the star. You know what? What? You, you didn't say what? <laughs> I, was, I was waiting. I tried so that again. You know what? What? We'll see you at the matches. <laughs>